electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome to the keynote, everybody, by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. Great ideas should never be forgotten. So here's one of our best episodes from the year 2021. We hope it continues to inspire you. Happy listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with executives, experts, and thought leaders. On this episode, you'll hear from Senator Cynthia Lummis of Wyoming. She was elected to the Senate in 2020 after serving in the House of Representatives for eight years. She's also co-chair of the Bipartisan Financial Innovation Caucus, which focuses on bringing innovation and technology into the U.S. financial system. Senator Lummis joined my colleague Elon Moy at CNBC's Financial Advisor Summit on June 29, 2021. They talked about why Bitcoin is a good investment and why the U.S. banking system should embrace cryptocurrency as her home state of Wyoming has. Here's their conversation. You have been representing Wyoming and Washington for a very long time. You were a congresswoman. Now you're the first female senator from the state. And you recently founded something called the Financial Innovation Caucus. Tell us what that is and who the members are. Well, I founded it because Wyoming has been a leader in developing financial institutions to work with cryptocurrency. And because Wyoming was the first state to establish uh, a set of laws that are now being used to charter new banks in cryptocurrency and take them through the Federal Reserve process and integrate them into the traditional fiat currency world, uh, I took an interest in this issue. So along with Kirsten Sinema, uh, the senator from Arizona, uh, we have founded the Innovation Caucus, and it's bipartisan. Uh, there are members from all over the country, including uh, people like Mike Braun, Marsha Blackburn, John Hickenlooper, uh, Bill Cassidy, uh, and, uh, and many others uh, who have an interest in financial innovation, not just in terms of cryptocurrency, although that's a big focus, but also things like same-day settlement, next-day settlement, which uh, saves lots of individuals uh, overdraft fees, uh, different banking fees that can really add up for individuals. So we want to make sure that it serves uh, the financial institutions that are growing around the cryptocurrency world, but also serves regular customers of traditional banking. So this is the Innovation Caucus, and I would say that in this industry, we're seeing so much growth right now. We're seeing a tremendous amount of energy, not just in cryptocurrencies in particular, though I feel like I hear about a new crypto every single day, um, but also in the fintech space overall. So um, I guess the question for you is, what is Washington's role here? Because I think a lot of players in this field worry that there's so much enthusiasm right now for some of these assets that Washington could actually ruin the party. Well, people are concerned that Washington could mess this up. Uh, even occasionally I hear from people who work in uh, cryptocurrency, some are concerned that we could, we could ban it. 
Uh, and Are you so, going to ban it? Oh, heavens no. Okay. Uh, so the, the interesting uh, conversations are occurring uh, among people that are in our caucus with financial regulators because the regulators too are beginning to grapple with how to make a level playing field, uh, we call it a sandbox, uh, that can still be uh, a place where innovators can continue to innovate and create new products and new opportunities uh, for consumers uh, with safety, with privacy, uh, and assure people that it's not going to be used for uh, crime uh, and purposes other than good straight up financial management by individuals and institutions. Uh, and so it involves a lot of uh, the regulator community, uh, the Office of Comptroller of the Currency, the SEC, uh, the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, uh, and many CFTC, other- CFTC, yeah. CFTC, and, and many other entities, even the FDIC. So we've been making the rounds, talking to the regulators to see what their thoughts are about regulation. Uh, and then we're trying to figure out what they, uh, what direction they're heading to see if Congress needs to weigh in or whether Congress should use this opportunity simply to learn more in a forum itself uh, about how to integrate non-fiat currency with fiat currency. So what are some of the principles um, that you are trying to establish as you look to decide you know, what good regulation, smart regulation should look like that will actually help provide the industry certainty without sort of getting in the way of all of that innovation that's already happening on the ground? Well, we certainly want to comply with things like the anti-money laundering laws. We want to comply with the Bank Secrecy Act. Uh, but we also want to make sure that we're not stifling innovation in the way it's implemented. We don't want to over-regulate or differently regulate uh, traditional banking and non-fiat currency banking because uh, we want them uh, to have a level playing field. We don't want to pick winners and losers. By the same token, privacy is going to be a big issue. We want to assure people that while China, for example, will have uh, a non-private uh, uh, cryptocurrency, central bank digital currency, the digital yuan, that we want to have uh, a digital dollar, uh, but that has the same kind of privacy uh, that we would expect from things like Bitcoin. How do you make this happen? I mean, you guys, as you said, did this already in Wyoming. How do you take a cryptocurrency and turn it into a digital asset that can be uh, sort of managed and handled through a banking system? Well, among the things that Wyoming has done is charter two special purpose depository institutions. One is Kraken, the other Avanti. Then the state of Wyoming, through its uh, banking division, uh, created a, a bank examination manual for these types of banks uh, that can be used as, quite frankly, a national prototype, a national model. Uh, so right now the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City uh, is looking at these charters to see if they can receive uh, master accounts that they can participate uh, with uh, ABA bank routing numbers uh, and uh, thereby begin to integrate with traditional banking. Uh, we're waiting. Uh, we think we've got about 45 days, I would say, to wait uh, to see what uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City says uh, about uh, Wyoming's work uh, to uh, examine 
these kinds of banks, these special purpose depository institutions. So that can become sort of the model, the template uh, for other institutions of its kind. We know that states like Texas and Nebraska are looking at Wyoming's laws uh, to perhaps uh, get in on the same kind of opportunity. Uh, and so we think we're leading the way in a very responsible way that looks out for consumer protection as well as privacy, but also ensures that the uses don't encourage money laundering and the kind of ransomware use that we saw in the colonial pipeline incident. What do you see as the end goal here? Could you describe you know, your ideal crypto future? What does that look like? Okay, well, in, in I would like to see uh, cryptocurrency like Bitcoin uh, become part of a diversified asset allocation that are used in retirement funds uh, and uh, other opportunities for people to save for the future. So whether you're uh, an employee that has a retirement fund, I'd like to see those retirement funds invested in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies that are good stores of value. Uh, but I'd also like to see individuals uh, be able to use uh, Bitcoin uh, and cryptocurrencies of their preference uh, that are safe, uh, that have uh, met the hurdles of anti-money laundering and bank secrecy acts, but uh, that allow people uh, to use their cell phones uh, to send uh, stores of value, Bitcoin, to each other. Now, for example, um, El Salvador just decided to make Bitcoin legal tender in El Salvador. The reason they did that is because 22% of El Salvador's economy comes from payments made by people working in the United States and elsewhere to their relatives in El Salvador. Now, if a son is sending his mother in El Salvador money that has to be sent through Western Union, uh, there's a steep fee. Uh, the mother in El Salvador may encounter gangs or other thieves, uh, and it's risky. But if the son can take his cell phone and send $100 in Bitcoin to his mother and she receives $100 in Bitcoin, no fees, no concerns about theft uh, or the high fees associated with those kinds of transmissions. So I see it as a way to help everyday consumers uh, and to make sure that they're not uh, having fees interfere with their ability to transact with each other, uh, as well as uh, just make it very seamless and easy on the same day. Though I think one of the things that maybe uh, scares off some retail investors from uh, the cryptocurrency space is that the value can be so volatile. So how would you recommend financial advisors talk to their clients about the best way to get into this asset class and how to incorporate it into their portfolios? For me, uh, I see Bitcoin as a great store of value. Uh, I buy Bitcoin and I hold Bitcoin. You buy Bitcoin? Oh, yes. You have Bitcoin? I do. How much Bitcoin do you have? Well, I only have, I think, five Bitcoin that, That's a lot these days. Well, it is these days. My first Bitcoin I paid $330 for. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think that was in 2013. And you held on to it? Absolutely. And wow. so uh, I see it as a great store of value, but I don't see it as, right now, for me anyway, as a means of exchange. Uh, so I... I want to buy and hold. I encourage people to buy and hold. I encourage them to say Bitcoin for their retirement, for their future. Uh, and that's because as the Congress spends trillions and trillions of dollars uh, and is flooding 
our economy and the world economy with U.S. dollars, there's no way that we cannot debase the value of the U.S. dollar. So I worry about having all of our retirement monies uh, denominated in U.S. dollars. Uh, so as part of diversification, uh, uh, having a very diverse asset allocation, so you don't have all your eggs in one basket, I think one of the strongest stores of value for the long run is Bitcoin. So I, I want to ask you about that, but first I have to say, are you invested in any other cryptocurrencies or is it just Bitcoin? For me, it's just Bitcoin. Okay, That's no the only Ethereum, one. no. <laughs> Correct. That, the only one I really understand is Bitcoin. Okay. okay. Now that doesn't mean that uh, Ethereum um, might not have benefits as well. But, but you also then, by believing that this should be part of a long-term hold, be part of people's retirement portfolios, you think Bitcoin's going to be around in 20, 30, 40 years when some of these millennials who are investing in it now actually look to retire and possibly be more uh, stable than the dollar itself. I do. And again, I don't want everybody putting all their money in Bitcoin, just like I don't want everybody uh, putting it in dollars and putting it under a mattress. I like diversification. Uh, but to me, uh, since there's only going to be 21 million Bitcoin ever mined, uh, it's a good store of value because it, it has defined scarcity. Uh, and the way that it was set up, so it uh, unlocks some Bitcoin every 10 minutes, uh, fewer and fewer over time until all 21 million have been produced, uh, it, it's, it's easy to see conceptually uh, why it's such a good store of value. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. You've mentioned the central bank and the Federal Reserve a couple of times. How do you see the central bank contributing to the digital currency, I guess, marketplace. How should the central bank be thinking about this right now? Well, it's really important to me that the U.S. dollar remain the world reserve currency. Uh, so one of the ways we can do that and continue to compete with cur currencies like the digital yuan is to have our own central bank digital currency. Uh, the benefits of having the dollar as a digital currency uh, is privacy because we know that China is going to want to know uh, where their digital wallets go, where the digital one is being spent. Perhaps, for example, if it's being spent in China by the Chinese uh, to give uh, a contribution to a religious organization that is frowned upon in China, uh, the Chinese government's going to know that, and they can crack down on the individual who used their digital yuan in a non-government approved way. Uh, we want to make sure that that is not the case with the U.S. dollar and that the digital version of the U.S. dollar uh, becomes uh, the digital reserve currency around the world as well as the traditional U.S. dollar. There are a lot of applications uh, for some of these technologies beyond even just the traditional financial space. You've done a lot of work around, for example, blockchain in the agricultural industry. Tell us a little bit about that work. Well, there's a long way to go in that area because it's expensive 
but we have to begin to innovate in that area to drive the cost down. So for example, if I wanted to make a contract with you and make sure that contract wasn't abrogated or changed over time, we could put the contract on the blockchain and that version of the contract uh, would remain inviolate. Uh, so if there were ever a dispute about what that contract said, you and I, as the author and the recipient, the, co the people who signed it, would have the very same ver version and we could refer to it on the blockchain. So there are, it, it memorializes all kinds of transactions uh, and it can memorialize documents for use uh, on the blockchain. So I, I think there, we're going to find that the, uh, the potential uses for blockchain technology and distributed ledger uh, are as varied as the individuals who are thinking about how to use it. How much work have you had to do to explain some of these concepts to your colleagues in Congress? You know, I've had to do a lot of work to understand these concepts, <laughs> even to this point. You and me both. And then, uh, but I, I finally understand them at least well enough that I can see where I think my colleagues uh, have a different understanding and I can begin to sort out where our differences in conclusions have arisen uh, and try to address those. So among the things we want to do with the Financial Innovation Caucus uh, is invite in members of the Senate and their staff uh, and have conversations among those to educate them, to use regulators to help educate them, to use innovators to help educate them, and then begin to share with each other what is the appropriate regulatory sandbox? What is the appropriate platform, regulatory platform or statutory platform? Uh, so this industry can continue to innovate, but still have the safeguards that we want the American people and indeed the world uh, to understand underpins and shores up uh, the regulatory regime uh, that we're using. Switching gears just a little bit, there has also been a lot of discussion and controversy on the Hill over sort of the gamification of trading and all these meme stocks. We saw the CEO of Robinhood testifying before Congress as well. And what you sort of heard out of that hearing was lawmakers feeling like something needed to be done, but not sure exactly what they needed to do. Have you given much thought to that? And, and where do you fall on Congress's role in, uh, in sort of regulating this gamification that we're seeing? Well, one of the things I notice about those hearings is that you frequently have members of Congress reading questions off a pad that were written by someone else because the member of Congress really doesn't understand what they're asking. And sometimes what they're asking uh, is not the right question because even the people that are helping them don't understand this issue. So I absolutely think that we have to start with education. Uh, I think that's way more important than having a hearing uh, that uh, doesn't yield uh, a good give and take uh, about how and whether uh, Congress should be involved in these issues. I want to make sure that we uh, ask you some questions that are coming in from some of our uh, viewers in the audience. Uh, some of the firms on CNBC's FA100 list. I have one from George Farah at Woodley Farah Mannion Portfolio Management in Indianapolis. And he asked if the SEC will declare Bitcoin a security and regulate it as such, or does the U.S. prefer to leave it so that it can track down criminal transactions? And he brings up the uh, the recovery of Bitcoin paid in ransom by Colonial Pipeline, which you mentioned as well. Yeah, he made a good point. You know, 85 percent 
of the money that was paid in the uh, colonial pipeline ransomware case uh, was recovered in less than a week. And that's because there are companies like Chainalysis that can uh, track these transactions and sometimes recover them. Uh, So uh, there is that infrastructure, and it's a growing infrastructure and a more innovative infrastructure. So we have to make sure that that industry grows and is nurtured and used. Uh, Will the SEC regulate it? Maybe if it becomes a security. But right now, of course, Bitcoin and other um, uh, cryptocurrencies are considered commodities. So the Commodities Future Trading Commission would seem to be uh, the current uh, go-to regulatory platform. But if Bitcoin and other uh, cryptocurrencies are bundled into securities and become securities, then Gary Gensler and the SEC will become involved. And that's why we want to keep the OCC, the SEC, uh, and other uh, regulatory agencies involved in this discussion because they're going to morph. They are going to become not just commodities, but they're going to be wrapped uh, in different wrapping paper uh, that will cause them to change into securities and uh, involve other regulatory agencies. Keep everybody playing in the sandbox. I have one last question for you from Michelle Perry Higgins of California Financial Advisors, and she asked, this is a really hot topic right now, can we expect to see new laws to regulate cryptocurrency mining in hopes of reducing the carbon footprint? How sustainable will Bitcoin be for future use given its strain on the environment? You know, I I, I know that there's a lot of talk about that. Uh, We know there was research at the University of Cambridge that showed that Bitcoin mining uh, uses about 40% renewable energy. And in the uh, non-Bitcoin mining economy, it's only 12%. So Bitcoin mining is already more uh, environmentally uh, adapted uh, to uh, uh, non-carbon emitting energy. energy sources. But in addition to that, we're seeing some real innovation in that field. For example, in my state of Wyoming, where oil and gas is produced, when you drill an oil well, a gas well, uh, for a while it's not hooked up to a pipeline. So the product, uh, especially gas, is being vented into the air. Uh, Well now these Bitcoin miners are pulling in a trailer, uh, hooking up to that vented gas and using it to mine Bitcoin. So they're Mining to help mining. Exactly. (laughs) And doing it in a way that keeps carbon out of the air and uses it to produce another product, Bitcoin. So there's a lot of innovation uh, that's happening behind the scenes. Uh, So I would say uh, don't judge Bitcoin mining uh, as a uh, energy uh, bad guy. Uh, There are a lot of things going on that prove otherwise. That was Wyoming Senator Cynthia Lummis, co-chair of the Financial Innovation Caucus. She spoke to Elon Moy at CNBC's Financial Advisor Summit on June 29, 2021. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. For more information on upcoming CNBC events and how you can join us, please visit cnbcevents.com. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.